Welcome in to a brand new Tuesday scramble. It's March 22nd, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Andy Lack. And Andy, oh boy, we've got ourselves not one interesting event. We got two PGA Tour events this week. And I got to give you credit, man. You have probably inspired me the most and hyped me up the most about the match play. I was a little bit of a late adopter and now here we sit on Tuesday, a couple hours before the tournament starts early tomorrow morning. And I'm super pumped. I'm excited. I filled out my bracket. I got to get mine in, in the Rick run good bracket challenge, but I couldn't be more psyched for this week. Yeah, this is such a unique event, right? And I'm a big proponent of different things, Andy, whether it's match play, whether they want to play the, um, the, the DP World Tour has done like the, me the men's and ladies events at the same time. Uh, listen, throw these guys out there in a scramble. Let them shoot 55. I don't care. I want to see different stuff. And when you get match play, which everybody loves a bracket, just in the same way that everybody loves a good list, everybody loves a good bracket, and you get an opportunity where there's a pretty significant edge in fantasy and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's just fun. It's great. Yeah. So match play used to be huge. The PGA Championship actually used to be yeah. match play, and the only reason why match play kind of fell out of favor on the PGA Tour is because of the growth of television. Um, which that is the one drawback of match play is that I think these first three days are absolutely electric, but you can, it does get very, very slow at the end. It could be really, even if there's only one match going on, Rick, and it's a great match, it can be awesome. But I think the only reason why we don't see more of match play, which is how golf was kind of originally intended to be played is because of the television aspect of how it kind of slows down for sure. It's not the best format for TV because you've got one or two groups out there on the final day. And there's a lot of time in between shots. And I, I, I get that aspect. So TV has ruined match play, unfortunately, but otherwise it's a great format. We are of course presented by prize pick. So we are going to get into a prize pick segment a little bit later. We're going to give out props. I'll warn you now they're for Corrales Punta Cana resort and club championship. From my understanding, the match play stuff coming later in the week, we'll see if that bears out, but we're still going to give out, uh, hopefully, some winning props for this week. And the code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description below where you can sign up and get all situated on prize picks right now. Quickly on Valspar, Andy, because you and I haven't had a chance to debrief the Valspar. Sam Burns goes out, successfully defends the crown, hoops one in on the second playoff hole from 35 or 40 feet, and Burnsy's got another victory. This is now, think about this, three wins on the tour, hasn't played in the Masters yet. I know, I know. He's got, do you think with, with a player like Burns, do you think he's legit or are you kind of of the mindset of let's see you do it in a major? He is very legit PGA tour. Okay. Like yeah. regular PGA tour events. He's the modern player. He is great off the tee. He's so improved on approach. He can put it well. It's a great Good, putter. Yeah. Great demeanor, uh, young athletic. He's the modern PGA tour player. There is a, a bridge and a gap to a guy who is all around great elite major championship stuff. We're going to learn because he hasn't been great in the major championships that he's, that he's played. I think the jury's still very much out on that side of it for Sam Burns. 
Yeah, I would agree. He hasn't, I mean, he's, he's a, seems like he's getting better by the month, right? Like he's a much better player now than he was even at the times of the major championship. So last year, it feels like he's kind of improving at a very, very quick rate. Um, I thought the Valspar was a blast. I, I I thought it was a lot easier than I expected. I probably didn't factor in how much rain that area had gotten, but it finally at least kind of got more difficult on Sunday and firmed up a little bit on Sunday. But, you know, outside of Burns and, of course, Davis Riley, who we can talk about too, my biggest takeaway is that I said that JT was going to win the Masters in December, and I feel better about that today than I did in December. You and I have been very much on a on a similar wavelength with JT as of late, and I was listening to your your podcast on on Sunday night, and I, I I agree with you, man. I mean, JT's lurking. This is what he does when he just goes out and piles piles up top ten finishes because his floor is so high. Like this is how he wins. There 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 seems to be a window where he's just going to start filling up the trophy case, and it's not really his fault that he hasn't. Some guys have kind of. Uh, you know, sniped him in times or maybe has one bad round with the putter. But this is what JT does. And it's really, really scary for the rest of the field. So I, I feel like I ask you this every week, but is he your master's favorite? Do you feel like what needs to happen this week? Because I feel like if JT, if Rom doesn't make it out of the group stage, I feel like JT's like suddenly becomes the master's favorite. It's probably true barring some other big name winning this thing, yeah. right? If um, I don't know. Even if Dustin Johnson won this event, I know would, they'll drop uh, him like a rock. Feels so far removed from his 2020 November Masters victory, but maybe if DJ wins this, they drop him. Yeah, to to co favorites or something like that. But I'm with you. Uh, you know, again, listening to the pod, you were you were speaking to me. I was your audience, right? I was like, yep. 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 Like I, I completely understand the love for JT and he probably should be the favorite or co-favorites. I, I just, man, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's hard for me to even verbalize how good I think he is and how, how, hold on, let me say this, right. How good at winning I think he is, right? Like that's a skill set, and he's, he just is constantly around and they're going to start falling for him. So I know he didn't play that great on Sunday and he hit a pretty bad iron shot coming down the stretch that really cost him a chance. But one of my favorite stats of the week that I think it was Justin Ray who tweeted this out, but it JT's at 14 wins right now. So if he wins one more time, he becomes the fourth player under the age of 28 years old to win 15 times before 28 years old. The other players are tiger, Jack Nicholas and Johnny Miller. So JT is on pace right now, actually, to like really go down as I mean, he could really, depending on how he does in majors in the next couple of years, but he could really go down as one of the best 10 to 15 golfers of all time. And he's doing it in a much harder era. And right. yet it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like he he kind of gets talked about it necessarily that way because I guess he just gets measured on wins and he hasn't technically won since the players. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Real quick on Davis Riley. You know, he's someone who won on the Corn Ferry twice last super season when they combined those seasons. And we, you and I have talked for, for months that, you know, the line is so blurred between the Corn Ferry guys and the PGA Tour guys or guy number 150 and guy number 80. Like, it's just, it's so blurred. And Davis Riley, man, he... 
he doesn't back down. Could have ejected when he made triple early on Sunday. Didn't got into a playoff, made a run at it. It was it was pretty impressive stuff. He's got such a sweet swing too. Like his swing is so rhythmic. He's so imbalanced. Um, I didn't know a ton about him heading into the week. I guess he was an Alabama guy like JT. But um, yeah, I I expect big things ahead from him. His his swing looks amazing and like Sahith again too popping up like these guys are good it's it's crazy to me when you throw davis riley and sahith and cameron young into the mix and mito is super talented it's like golf is in very very good hands right now one and done update i think you and i both a little bit disappointed here i went with dustin johnson got twenty nine thousand two fifty. you went with victor hovland forty one thousand six hundred. so for the most part our season long standings do not change you sit there at 2.3 million i'm at 580 rounding up uh we both kind of whiffed on a on a fairly sizable name here yeah you know uh, the only other guy i was considering was like fleetwood who would have gotten me a little bit more money but I'm bummed that I used Hovland. I think that was a whiff. And I think both of us are like, I'm not, you know, with Hovland, I'm expecting a top five finish. So that was, that was a for sure misstep for me last week. I had an issue where, not an issue, but I, I, you know, I, before the season starts, I put everybody in a slot and then I try to like, um, you know, remove all the weekly biases and, I don't know how Sam Burns did not originally get into my Valspar spot. Paul Casey was there, and when he withdrew and I went to swap him, I just swapped in, actually for, for the season-long format, not the one that you and I played together, I swapped in Abe Answer when I should have mm. just swapped in Sam Burns, and I don't know why I did that because I have Burns, I have Burns for the Valero, and I'm like, you moron. Like why, why wouldn't I have just swapped Sam Burns in that spot? I was going to ask you where you had Burns. It's not like there aren't other great courses. I don't even, is he going to play the Valero though? Because that's the, now that's the, that's the concern. Now I, I don't even know if he'll play it. Yeah. That's the tough thing about mapping it out too early because I do that too. But then you get these surprises where it's like Cam Smith is suddenly not playing this week. Roy McElroy is suddenly playing the Valero. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I wish I got a little bit more out of Hovland, but it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Um, let's change gears here. We're going to get into the match play. Talk about some of these groups. We've got prize pick stuff to do, and we have a bracket challenge that you can get into as well, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll talk about it on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Match play, it's the bracket, and if you want to join a bracket challenge, I've got one for you here. And Andy, let me share my screen. This is uh, the PGATour.com's bracket challenge page. You can create all the private leagues. Last year, 
the Rick Run Good Bracket Challenge was the largest private contest out there. I I, I want to do that again. We are on pace to do that. We, the only the only league that's above the Rick Run Good League is the very public PGA Tour League. So I think we're doing good here to start. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, I I have to fill up my bracket for that one too. Um. It's just, it's, I think filling out brackets are so fun. I think it's, yeah. I think that's why people that don't even like college basketball, it's so easy to get into March Madness. And um, I don't know about you, Rick, but I have been, uh, I've been limping to the Sweet 16 in my college basketball bracket. So I absolutely welcome uh, the chance to kind of reload with some golf. If you want to join this bracket challenge, it is technically private the link is in the description the password is tiger t-i-g-e-r i'm providing prizes for rickrungood.com into the form of subscriptions and swag boxes i've partnered with my guys at cbs sports they're adding in a hundred dollar gift card to paramount plus so we're we're piling up the prizes here that link in the description make sure you get yourself involved um andy this is a format that at this point in the week However many years into this, I most I hope most people realize it's round robin for the first three days. They're they're all playing in groups, and then we're going to move into single elimination. And that is really, uh, I believe that to be a good change. I I know it was much more enticing when Tiger Woods could have gotten bounced in the first round or something like that after one match. But you build a great field by guaranteeing these guys that they're going to play three rounds. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why they did that was for the fans that are buying tickets to this, they don't want to see Rory get bounced by Antoine Rosner early on Wednesday morning, and then Rory's just done, right? Now you have a situation where you guarantee all of the players in the field at least three rounds of golf. So, you know, we tend to have upsets galore in this format, but even if the best players in the world do get upset at the very least you're seeing them for three days, which I really like. I think the first three days of this tournament are some of the best golf viewing we get all year. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I'll, I'll share, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll just kind of scroll through the bracket a little bit here and you'll see uh, kind of some of the paths to victory. If you do escape your group, but Andy, ever since they moved this to Austin country club, uh, I think you get a really good mix of kind of risk reward opportunities, which lends itself perfectly to the match play setup. I think what's funny about this course is it's one of those courses on the PGA tour similar to TPC Sawgrass, similar to TPC River Highland, similar to Harbortown, where everyone can compete, right? Your Kevin Kisner's and your Matt Kuchers um, can absolutely compete here. So you throw in the element of all of the variants that we already get with match play, and you add in the fact that this is a course where all 64 of these players can compete if they get hot and chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. Yeah, there's going to be chaos. I tweeted this out um, last year. John Rahm was the only top seed to advance from his group in previous years. You usually get about five of them, Andy. So I, I know you haven't filled out your bracket yet. Here's a recommendation, sir. Don't take the 16 top seeds and advance <laughs> them all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you should. And even if you're doing like group betting or something like that, Rick, I would embrace the variance and maybe take some shots with some of the underdogs. You know, it's a weird schedule spot for this tournament. So a lot of these top elite players are gearing up for Augusta, right? And this is 
this is a lot of golf too. Like the other thing that you have to keep in mind is that this is an endurance test. I mean, we saw how gassed Scotty Scheffler and Billy Horschel were last year. And Billy Horschel is one of the most fit players on the PGA tour. And Scotty Scheffler is like 23 in his own right too. So there are kind of a lot of like external unquantifiable factors that probably play a bigger role this week, which is not something that you and I generally like to see, but it's fun. For, for sure. And for fantasy and betting purposes, I did a full fantasy breakdown. Your goal here is to give yourself a path to get six of your golfers into the Elite Eight. You should not be picking golfers uh, in the same lineup from the same group or even the adjacent group, the group right next door, because you will... Uh, by default, have one of those guys eliminated earlier than they should. But from a betting perspective, Andy, how do you start treating your betting card for this week? And how is it different than kind of a normal 72-hole stroke play event? Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm only betting four players pre-tournament, and I'm doing one from each quadrant. I did the same exact thing. Yeah. And and what I'm also doing is I'm gonna be spe- I'm going to be specifically underexposed because I figure I'm going to have to reload at the Sweet 16. So I'm saving one live bullet for the Sweet 16. But I think that is, I think that's a sound strategy. I don't really understand. I mean, I guess if you're, for example, this bottom side of the bracket, I've printed it out so I have it for reference. This bottom side of the bracket has a ton of players that I like. But I'm not going to bet just because I like Adam Scott and Justin Rose in the same group. I don't really think it makes a ton of sense to bet both of them. Yeah, especially when you can wait and you're still going to get a decent-ish number if there's 16 golfers remaining as opposed to 64. So I did the same thing. I picked kind of one horse in each one of these quadrants, and then I will... Um, I'll be actually quite busy on the matchup sides of this because not only do we know Wednesday's matchups, but we know Thursdays and we know Fridays because they're just going to go in order. So there, there is a really, and, and it's the only kind of time in golf where you get, um, what other sports would call a common opponents, right? You know, in, in college basketball, it's like, well, they didn't play each other, but they both played this other team. What happened then? So it's, it's, it's a week where I'll be very heavily invested in the single round matchups. Do they have them out yet? Do they have, have any books posted the round one matchups yet? Yeah, at least DraftKings has. Uh, okay. I imagine Caesars has as well, but I was looking at the round one. Yeah, they've they've got all the round one matchups available right now. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I think that's probably even maybe a better way to attack than the group betting. I think you could probably get kind of killed in the group betting if you're not careful. The odds because are it's short. Yeah. All it's them. yeah, it's so it's so tough. Um, I like that that matchup strategy. And then kind of as you already alluded to, I'm gonna be pretty heavy on DFS this week. I think this is an awesome DFS week, and you kind of sold me, you broke it down very eloquently in your video. And I have an article coming out in just a couple hours when we're done talking about it a little bit more. But I think for me, my exposure is going to be more so on the DFS side than the betting side this week. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into match play groups. Uh, We'll give our one and done selections, but we are about to do the prize picks segment. Now, again, this is for Punta Cana. Uh, Andy and I are going to give out the picks. Make sure you are logged in and ready to go. We've seen the lines move on these very, very quickly at times. Uh, The code Rick is available in the link below in the description. So make sure you're all signed up, but uh, let's hit the break and we'll do the prize picks on the other side.
If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck all right, Andy, let's uh, turn our brains for just a moment to Punta Cana. This is an event that um, they've already played this year, right? They played it in, in or no, March of 2021, but they had those two, the two editions of it within like five months of one another. So it's kind of a, a weird little event. Joel Damon is the defending champion, and it's kind of all about the wind, in my opinion, right? It tends to be a fairly windy week. Yeah, it's a long golf course. I noticed it's a Tom Fazio golf course, which, you know, we see a lot of Tom Fazio. He generally has a pretty similar design philosophy with a lot of the stuff that he does. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm basically just looking at uh, guys who've played well here in the past. I think off the tee, just scanning through the Rick run good course fit page. It seems like if you're a good driver of the ball, that goes a long way here. And, you know, even in these tournaments, Rick, where maybe you and I aren't as focused on them, I still think you could probably find an edge on prize picks. I, I think there is a significant edge on prize picks. You're right, just because most people not focusing on it. So let's prop it like it's hot here. It is my understanding. So a couple of items. Uh, this event does not have the shot link data. So it doesn't appear that prize picks is doing fairways and greens, which is fine. We'll do scores and birdies and there's a single hole in there. And then I believe, Andy, don't quote me on this. As the match play gets going, I believe prize picks is going to add match play items or at least attempt to. So we might have a couple of more slates on the way awesome that would be great because i think there's a lot of fun that we could have if they if they add some stuff for the match play we've cooled just a hair i i had it written down but i think we were three four and one last week so we're we're ready to start a new run here no better place than punta cana andy what is your first prop so i took emiliano grio over 70 and he had the lowest, uh, him and Damon had the lowest stroke total at 70, which is yeah. two under par, by the way, it's a par 72. Um, he lost 10 strokes ball striking in his last start and he's lost. So, um, Grio has lost what is the strongest part of his game, which is his irons. He's lost strokes on approach in three straight starts. And I did a quick glance over at wind finder in Punta Cana and, you know, 15, 20 miles per hour. Um, that's good enough for me to take the over on Grio. It is amazing because I went and did, I did all my research. I was looking through, I was getting ready to put uh, my picks into the outline. I got into the outline and, and saw you already had Emiliano Grillo over 70. And I was like, yep, that like, so I was, could not endorse this more. We've seen this with other guys. We've seen it with Ricky Fowler and the putter, Gary Woodland trying to come back, but it's been 18 months. Like when guys lose their best part of the game, it is generally a long turnaround to get back to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's an, that's a, that's another good example. I'm trying to think of some other guys that that's happened to, but yeah, with Grio, I think it's a weak field, right? And Grio, uh, he already has the coastal thing. So I think it's a little bit more name value with Grio than it is actual recent form. Um, so I am happy to fade him in this spot. Okay, so Emiliano Grillo over 70 for the first one. Jason Duffner is where I went for my first prop, and I am kind of going with a fade of, of Duffner here as well. Under three and a half birdies, he's missed five straight cuts. He's 180th on tour in birdie average. It's just not someone whose strength is piling up a bunch of birdies, and if we do get those wins, because I looked at at Windfinder as well, Andy, and it's it's going to be windy as it always tends to be in Corrales that I just did not necessarily see a strong path to Duffner making four or more birdies. So I'll take the under there and uh, root again. The only thing that's hard about this is like, it, as with any unders in sports, you've got to sweat the whole round or you've got to sweat yeah. the whole game, right? It's not like you go over birdies, he makes four out of the gate and you can stop watching. It's like, you've got to sweat this one the entire time. And some of the, it, I was interesting because I looked to see the pricing, the DraftKings pricing for Corrales, and I wanted to see just who are the top guys and and how the prize picks laid out. And it's interesting the guys that prize picks selected uh, for us to choose this week. But I agree with you. I think Duffner is uh, probably the type of player that you want to fade at at this stage of his career. All right, going over in the strokes category is your next prop, Andy. Who are we taking over 70 and a half on? So I'm leaning into this wind thing. I'm hoping that it's blustery. And again, I think Hudson Swafford, it's basically course history and name value versus recent form. And I'm going to go with recent form here. I understand that Hudson Swafford has won this tournament before, but he's also missed three straight cuts and he's not playing good golf right now. And I think the fact that he won here in 2020 is completely baked into the number and the ball striking is just trending in the wrong direction with him. So I'm going to go with the recent form as opposed to the course history and take Hudson Swafford over 70.5 Swaff daddy over 70.5 Duff daddy under three and a half birdies, Emiliano Grillo over 70 and I'll add in Kramer Hickok under 70 and a half. And I'm with you, Andy. I'm, um, I think the wind is going to be troublesome. And I liked a lot of the overs. The only one that I still liked the under on was Kramer Hickok. You know, you put him in a, a much weaker field after finishing T33 at the Valspar T42 at the players. When, when that happens, those guys are usually licking their chops, right? There are, but none of them will say this out loud, but there are guys in this field who are like, I, I still can't win here. Like I'm, I like, let me pile up like a, like a T 11, earn those FedEx cup points. And I'll just like kick this down the road. Guys like Kramer Hickok, when they show up in fields like this, legitimately believe that they can win it. And his game has been fairly well-rounded as of late. He's only losing strokes around the green. If you're tapping into a lot of that, you're probably not winning this prop anyway. So that's the one guy. If I were to fire a bet for Punta Cana right now on a Tuesday morning, I think Hickok would be an interesting option. I like that. Hickok's been Hickok's been on my radar too. He was a he was a trendy pick at the Valspar. He's playing some really good golf right now. Now I'm kind of now you got me kind of hyped. Should we add one and done for Putsakana? I mean, it's only in your advantage. 
Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's add. Let's, I'm adding it right now. Let's do. Let's do it. So, uh, one and done. Putzikan. I'm putting it in the outline. Okay. And we'll get to that at the bottom. And I imagine there's a golfer. If there's a uh, uh, a golfer you're going to use this week is not someone you were planning on using at like a major. No. For <laughs> no. That's why I think there's no there's no risks to it. We might as well. All right. So just to recap, we're going to prop it like it's hot with Emiliano Grillo over 70, Hudson Swafford over 70 and a half, Kramer Hickok under 70 and a half, and Jason Duffner under three and a half birdies. You put all of those in and you win a multiple on your money. Use the code Rick over at Prize Picks. The link is in the description. And keep an eye out for those match play props. We'll see if those get added at some point here in the week. If they do, I'll probably be tweeting out quite a few of them and Andy and I. I will cover them on Friday's show as well. Uh, instead of matchups for this week, we're going to do groups. We'll talk about that uh, and we'll complete our one and done selections, but we're going to do it on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently, 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Matchups, uh, or kind of matchups. So last week, we uh, we were fine. Andy, 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. I was 4-0-1. Oh, That's probably my best week so far, moving my total very close to 500 for the year, 17, 19, and 3, while Andy is well over 500, 24, 12, and 3. And this time around, Andy, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really make sense for us to do matchups per se. So I figured let's identify five groups. We'll talk through who could be coming out of those, maybe their path to the final four or to a championship. I think that's the best way to do it. We've got to lean into this bracket. I agree. I think that's I think that's more fun. You're you're catching up to me a little bit there. Night. Congrats on the four and zero. Good week. Yeah, yeah, I had a couple. I had a good week. Uh, I think it was either last week or the week before as well. So yes, I'm making up ground after a slow start. Group number one. That's our first group. It's John Rom, Patrick Reed, Cam Young, and Sebastian Munoz. I do. If you're watching on YouTube, I do have the odds to get out of the group available. John Rom is plus one fifty. Cam Young is the second shortest odds, 275. And then Patrick Reed and Sebastian Munoz are both plus 300, Andy. How do you assess group number one? Well, I'm going to pick the favorite here. And I get a little bit weird as we get farther down. But I, I just think what Rom has, is doing off the tee right now is it's at a little bit of a different level right now. And I don't necessarily think that a, an elite player is going to win this week. Uh, but I think Rom's going to have a really good tournament. I think Rom's going to have a strong showing. Um, I'm not super concerned about Patrick Reed, who gained nine strokes putting at the players and still didn't finish in the top 25. Munoz is Munoz. And then Cameron Young is, he's a trendy pick, but I still think that everything that Cameron Young does well Rom does a little to a lot better. So I'm going to go with the chalk here. That's definitely true. I did take the trendy side of it, the Cam Young side of it. And there's just this weird thing where 
guys can play spoiler for other guys. So you have Patrick Reed, who I completely agree with your assessment. I am in no way optimistic about Patrick Reed's chances of success for this week, but can he play spoiler for a couple of holes? Can he play, play, play spoiler for a match? We've seen Sebastian Munoz get hot, rattle off a bunch of birdies, a very streaky golfer. That's kind of dangerous in a group. So I, I think that this group more than a lot of groups, it could kind of be chaos you have a couple of like really streaky golfers, Cam Young, who has an elite skill set, and you have the number one player in the world. I don't know. This this group just feels chaotic to me. Yeah, this whole side of the bracket to me, too. I'm really grateful that you didn't yeah. give us one of group nine, which we have I mean, there's we haven't even talked about Bryson, but this whole side of the bracket, this was the one side of the bracket, Rick, that I haven't made a bet for yet. I don't know what to do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, I took Kepka out of this, out of this quarter, like 30 to one. Yeah. I think 35, but yeah, something like, something like that. So there's a, yeah. if Kepka gets to look his opponent in the eye, I think that's good. Uh, also there is, yeah, the, the, the Bryson angle, you know, group nine and eight, who you'd eventually run into has a lot of question marks. If you can avoid Rom, I don't know. I just think Brooks has not played this event healthy in a long time. And when he's played it healthy, he's generally gotten out of his group. That's, that's the bet I made out of, out of this corner. He also looked really good at the Valspar. I mean, he shot the low round of the day and you look at the ball striking stats, Rick from JT and DJ and Brooks and Xander. It's like, it is very apparent that these guys care about peaking at this time of year and we i think we're starting to see it so i think i know we saw a ton of upsets last year but i think a lot of these elite players may get out of their groups and then maybe get knocked out in like the sweet 16 or the elite eight which kind of feels like the perfect scenario for some of these better players is you get some of the reps yeah. but you don't get worn down I completely agree with that sentiment. So group one, I'm going with Cam Young. Andy's going with John Rahm. And that's a perfect segue to our next group, Andy, because it is group 16. It is uh, whoever wins this group would eventually face the winner of group one. Kepka, obviously the selection that I'm going with. And you've got Shane Lowry, Harold Varner III, and Eric Van Royen, Eric Van Royen rounding out the rest of this group. It is worth noting Shane Lowry and Brooks Kepka co-favorites plus 220 to escape group 16 i'm going with brooks here i just realized can you imagine if bryson and brooks meet in the elite eight i yes i can imagine it i'm actually praying to all the gods of choice that that happens yes do, do you think they have to bring in well they can't bring in phil it seems like do you think they have to bring in barkley as like a uh a co-commentator for that one that would be so good i would i would love a bryson Brooks, it would be which elite eight matchup. Yeah, let's go. Not to get a sidetrack here. I'm on Brooks, by the way, too. But just quickly on Bryson, are we in? Are we out? Are we 50% in? 40% in. So yeah. I, okay. Bryson's skill set is incredibly dangerous in match play formats, in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. Um, when you have to watch your opponent hit it a mile and just be Bryson, and then he puts, uh, it, there's just, there's a lot. There's a lot that can burn you in match play. I find it to be a horrendous place to come back from injury. Um, because as you mentioned, it's seven matches to victory. And maybe Bryson would love to play three matches and get knocked out in the Sweet 16, something like that. And also, I don't know if you saw this. There's so much here. 
he he posted on Instagram like yesterday. I sure did. Finally hitting driver again. And I know that Bryson is not a reliable narrator. Like he's not a reliable narrator of how long he's been hitting driver. But I hope he didn't just start hitting driver like yesterday or the day before as he enters match play. Yeah, the tricky thing for me here is I was... I was pretty comfortable taking the wait and see approach with Bryson, but then I saw his group and I was like, ah, I kind of like this draw for him. I think the issue that I have that scares me with Bryson is I think with most PGA tour players, you say, okay, if they're playing, we have to assume that they're healthy, right? We have to try and always give them the benefit of the doubt. Bryson is the one guy that I could see like miscalculating that where I'm like, do I really trust that Bryson knows the best time for him to return? Um, but it's interesting to me. I think he's a worthy shot. Like if you want to throw 10 bucks on Bryson at 38 to one, I don't hate that one bit, but I'm with you. I'm kind of half in half out. All right. We're together on group 16 as well. Kepka coming out of the group for both of us. Group 10 is next. That's uh, seemingly one of the groups of death. Andy, the other one probably being group five, Louis Ustazen, Paul Casey, Corey Connors, Alex Norin. I loved everything about Alex Norin entering the week. I'm still going to take him to exit group 10, but man, I wish it was not against these names. Yeah, it's a tough group. Um, Louis's been pretty good here. Paul Casey's been pretty good here. I'm going to roll with Corey Connors. Um, I think I like Corey Connors fit on this course, even though he did not play well here last year, but I like him on these shorter positional golf courses where kind of mid to short iron play and accuracy really matters. Um, I'm going to roll with Corey Connors. So we have a head to head. Okay, good. So we've got, uh, let's looking at the odds to get out of the group. Louis is the favorite. Then Paul Casey, uh, Louis plus 200, Paul Casey, 225, Alex Norm. 275 Corey Connors 300 so you're taking the long shot a three to one bet which is like I mean we're splitting hairs here I'd almost I'd almost just like to bet the number on Corey Connors I know and I felt guilty because I was taking the chalk with Rom so I wanted to mix it up so I might have gotten to uh I may have gone a little bit overboard with this last couple of selections, but I think Corey Connors, like I'm playing Corey Connors in DFS. I think Connors has a good, has a good chance in this group. All right. Down to the bottom right hand corner. Uh, we're going to go to group six. This is Justin Thomas's group. He's the favorite to exit plus plus one sixty. Five. Kevin Kisner is next, plus 260. Mark Leishman, plus 240. And Luke List at four to one, plus 400. Andy, how does group six play out to you? So JT is the smart pick. JT scares the living crap out of me. Kisner is probably the trendy pick. But I think Leishman's a sleeping giant. I bet Leishman to win at 80 to 1. I think this is a good spot for Leishman. I talked about how I like TPC River Highlands. He almost won at TPC River Highlands last year. Um, he's coming in a little bit under the radar because he missed the cut at the players, but he was on the wrong side of the draw, Rick. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. And prior to the players, he was playing some amazing golf. I don't know, Rick, this is more of like a gut feel play, but I just, Billy Horschel, Kevin Kisner, Matt Kuchar, Bubba Watson, that like 40 to 80 to one range of mid tier golfer. That's good and can win in a good field, but isn't super elite where you have to worry about them maybe having their mind too much on Augusta. I think Leishman is a sleeping giant this week. I do like that. I might 
you might convince me to fire another bet on that. Uh, I picked JT out of this group. I just, you know, I avoided some of the chalk in other spots. We talked about how he's just kind of lurking all the time. JT is super dangerous in, in match play formats. And even outside of this event, plenty of experience in it. I could have gone a lot of different directions out of group six and been, and been fairly comfortable with it. I'm just going to take the big boy. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with it. Honestly, Rick, my hope is that you are dead wrong on this because if, if JT plays well this week, I don't, I know if we're going to get a bettable number at the masters, which is my yeah. biggest concern. That's actually quite, quite true. Uh, group four is our final group here. Bottom left-hand corner of the bracket. Patrick Cantlay, the favorite plus 165. Sung J M plus 260. Keith Mitchell plus 300. Seamus Power plus 330. These are like four of my favorite players on tour. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, absolutely hate that they're all together. So, you know, I went with the, probably the guy with the lowest odds to here, Seamus Power. Um, you know, the shine's kind of off him, huh, Rick? Like this was a guy that was 25, 30 to one at some tournaments. I know those were in weaker fields a couple weeks ago, but I never thought that he was maybe as good as he was at that kind of peak when he was running, running super hot. But I don't think he's as bad as he's, you know, being being uh assessed on the odds boards here i think it's a pretty decent buy low spot for sheamus i looked at his numbers from the players and he gained like five strokes off the tee at the players so i do think that this is a pretty good buy low spot for him i may be getting a little too cute picking him to win the group i kind of like him more as like a low-owned dfs play but i think he can win i like sheamus here yeah, I, I picked Patrick Cantlay to win it all, so I have to advance him out of this group. But I'll tell you what, like the, the Keith Mitchell model, you talked about uh, John Rahm, yeah. and he never loses off the tee. Keith Mitchell never loses off the tee. He can get hot with the putter. We've seen him, um, who was his partner? Snedeker at Zurich, where he just like threw Snedeker on his back and, and just like carries him through a, a weird format. Keith Mitchell's been playing much, much better. He is a volatile in a good way golfer for match play like i before the groupings came out i was like all right let me find keith mitchell hopefully he has a great path to to victory here i hate it that he's with power sung jay and patrick Cantlay. yeah Cantlay is another one where i saw his odds slip to 22 to 1 yeah and he was like 12 to 1 in big time tournaments a couple weeks ago um that's interesting to me. I think that he probably has the best value out of all the elites um, in terms of the betting market. It's so strange because I think in a vacuum, he is a devastatingly bad or, or like difficult match play player to go up against. He is yeah. <laughs> deliberate almost to the point of annoying. He is super good. He can roll a hot putter and you're never going to get him flustered. It's like all the worst things you'd have to battle in match play, but he has the, he lays eggs sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like, he's got to get like the back. It, I, like I'm worried about him playing seven rounds, quite honestly, because he's always got that like back thing on the, on the, on the brain. But I, um, in a vacuum, I don't know how he doesn't just roll over everybody, but I do have, I do have concerns still. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Wasn't he the guy, Rick? I could be remembering this incorrectly, but wasn't he the guy that made, did not make it out of the group stage last year, but got really, really unlucky. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I would have forgot. So he was like two and one and then he lost in the playoff. I think when they went to sudden death, but there are so, so, 
there are technically um, strokes gain numbers available for this event. They are super wonky because yeah. um, you have guys playing different number of holes, different number of matches, but they they do exist. They're official numbers from the PGA Tour. Um, Cantlay was like second in strokes gain total last year. Didn't make it out of his group. Billy Horschel won the whole thing, was like 18th or 19th because, <laughs> like, you know, you can play – you know, if you play your B game and someone else plays their D game, you win. If you play your A minus game and someone plays their A plus game, you lose. Like there is a lot of luck involved in this. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, Cantlay's got that going for him. He's been awesome on shorter Pete Dye courses as well in general. And, you know, he's not, I don't think he'll probably play the Valero next week. So I think we see probably a strong performance for him as well. All right. Fingers crossed that Patrick Cantlay can make a run for my sake. Andy, um, one and done selections. So we just doubled these here. So we're going to make our selections for the match play. And this is, uh, it's a big boy purse, 12 million bucks up top or uh, $12 million in the purse. 1.8, I believe is the number up top. So there's a lot on the line here. And you and I have both gone with kind of, uh, I don't want to say second tier golfers, but like we didn't, we didn't pick the favorites, so to speak. We did it. So I'll, I'll, I'll lead us off. I went with Terrell Hatton. Um, I think this is a good spot for Hatton. I think he's, he's playing really good golf. He was in the mix at the API. He was in the mix at the players. He was kind of solid last week. He finished like T21. But the thing that I liked about Hatton last week is he had been putting out of his mind. Like he gained eight strokes putting in back-to-back weeks. And we know that's not super sustainable. So as expected, the putter did regress at the Valspar last week. But what did come back was the strongest part of Hatton's game, which is his iron play. And when Hatton is at his best, he's gaining four, five, six strokes on approach. And I still think on this course, like if you're looking at one thing, I really want a guy that could get super, super hot with his irons, which is why I almost went Russell Henley here too. So I'm going to go with Hatton. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hatton in this spot. I feel like this is a pretty good spot. If I was going to use Hatton, it probably would have been at a course that we already played, right? Like Bay Hill or something like that. So I think it's a good time to use him. Yeah, Hatton is coming out of group 13. So that's Daniel Berger, Siwoo Kim, Chris John Bezadenhout. I considered strongly... Russell Henley because he's out of 14, which is Joaquin Neiman, Kevin, Nam, Mav McNeely, which I could see any of those guys out of that group making a run. Quite honestly, I, I thought long and hard about Russell Henley. I went with uh, Alex Noren. I stepped into the group of death group 10, uh, went with Noren. I just look at a guy who tangible results or tangible improvements on the approach play. It's, it's turning into, you know, top 10, top 12 finishes. He's been awesome at this event. He's 12 and three in three years. Yes, this is not a great draw for him. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that upper right quadrant, whoever comes out of these groups, which would be two, 15, 10, seven, I think they can kind of make a run. I'd argue that's it's kind of the weaker quadrant. So I'm, I'm hoping if he can escape the group of death, he can, he can make a deep run into this thing. I agree with you, which was part of the reason, like I was, I wasn't super high on Xander heading into the week. Like he wasn't somebody that I talked about in my Sunday show, but I looked at the draw that a guy like Xander has, and he's got Finau, Herbert and Kanaya in his group. And then he's got that next group coming up, but it's really just Morikawa 
is the only big guy. And it's like that kind of three last year and has putting issues. And sometimes in match play first in wins. And like, I, I yeah, I, I, I wanted to ask you about Xander. Cause that side of the bracket is kind of nice. Xander. It's weird. I, I believe that his high floor, low ceiling hurts him in match. Yeah. Play, but yeah. what, how do you assess this? No, you may be right. I did bet him at 28 to one. He is my bet in that side of the bracket, just because I think the draw is so favorable for him. Um, But yeah, I think that's a fair take. I think you want to embrace volatility in match play and Xander is so steady, but I will say, I do think he falls into that category of your Brooks, your JT, your DJ um, of somebody that really, really cares about peaking at this time of year. And you saw it last week at the Valspar. He gained over eight strokes ball striking. So Xander is playing some really, really good golf right now. And um, I thought 28 to one was a pretty fair na- number for the draw that he has. Yeah, the um, it is it is really interesting what what Xander is up to. Uh, I had one other comment I wanted to make with you about. I think it was about Xander, but now I don't remember what it is. Mm, let me know if it comes to you. I'm always down to talk Xander. You've got to twist my arm. Yeah. What was it? Oh, well, I don't know. But anyway, let's, let's do our one and done selections for Punta Cana. And then maybe I'll, I'll think of it here. Um, I'll, I'll just go first because I kind of already spoiled it. I I'm going with Kramer Hickok. He's the guy that the one guy in that field that, that I bet. And, uh, with a couple hundred grand on the line to the winner, I will, uh, I'll roll with him there. 540 is what Damon got last year. So probably about a half a million bucks. Okay, so I'm going to go back to my alma mater and stick with the guy that burned my core four last week, uh, which was looking fantastic until this guy struggled on the back nine on Friday afternoon. And that's Alex Smalley. And that's Alex. Yeah, yeah, Smalley's good. I think Smalley's really good at golf. I have been told we missed each other by a year, but I have been told that – he just dominate. He's a good, good, talented player. And, you know, I was looking at the odds very briefly. Uh, he's like 40 to one this week, which in an event like Punakana, I don't really want to go above 40 to one. I almost went with Sahith, but I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Alex Smalley in a bounce back spot for me. Yeah, you generally don't have to go too far down the board in these events to find somebody who's who's likely to be in contention. So to recap, I'm going with Norin and Hickok. Andy is going with Hatton and Smalley for our one and done selections this week. Uh, Andy, it's it's a big week. It's a short week. This is going to start Wednesday morning. We'll be back as we usually are on Friday. And before you know it, it's going to be Masters week. But any final thoughts uh, for this Tuesday scramble before we get out of here? I don't think so. I would just, I would definitely encourage everyone embrace this week, right? My article, I'm about to bang it out right after we get hot. So that should be out by around, I don't know, 3 PM Eastern at the latest. And, um, I think it's a blast. I think these first three days of golf viewing are really fun and I'm super excited for it. And, uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. I think that's all I got. All right, cool. Well, I'll just close with a couple of housekeeping items then. Our uh, speak at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, that's today. Uh, that's the Rick Rungood live chat. That's it's, that's usually on Wednesdays. I'm going to do it uh, today on Tuesday instead. The link to join the bracket challenge is in the description. The code, you're, the password you're looking for there is TIGER, all lowercase. You can join the largest private bracket challenge on PGA Tour.com. And of course, if you have not signed up for prize picks, you're crazy. Go ahead 
use the code Rick. The link is in the description there. It's a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All right. That'll do it. Big shout out. Producer Mina behind the scenes doing all the hard work. Andy Lack is available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Tuesday Scramble. Good luck.